songs about rainbows and what's on the But only illusions and rainbows have nothing to hide. So we've been told, and some choose to believe it. I know they are wrong, wait and see. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection lovers and dreamers like me. Who said that every wish would be heard and answered and wished on the morning star? Somebody thought of that and someone <laughs> Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Hebrew Bible, the book of Genesis. I'll be reading from chapters 8 
and chapters 9. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and all the domestic animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth, and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained, and the waters gradually receded from the earth. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated. And in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to abate until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains appeared. At the end of the forty days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made, and he sent out the raven. And it went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent out the dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground, but the dove found no place to set its foot, and it returned to him to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand, and he took it and brought it into the ark with him. And he waited another seven days, and again he sent out the dove from the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening. And there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent out the dove, and it did not return to him anymore. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you. And with every living creature that is in with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again... Sorry. <laughs> and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all the flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it 
and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all that is on the earth. The word of God for the people of God. Our first reading, or maybe better, musical interlude this morning, moved us to recall the wonderful musings of Kermit T. Frog, and is a wonderful introduction to our central theme in Genesis 9, rainbows. Kermit T. Frog does ask a curious theological question. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? There certainly seems to be a promise in a rainbow, maybe even a pot of gold at the end of it. Dorothy sings of her rainbows leading her to perfect utopias, a magical land with perfect weather where dreams come true. Oh, Dorothy. While rainbows may not lead us to a pot of gold or a perfect utopia, the rainbow has been used throughout history to symbolize peace and inclusivity. In Greco-Roman mythology, the rainbow was considered to be the path made by Iris as she traveled between heaven and earth. In the 1990s, Archbishop Desmond Tutu and President Nelson Mandela described South, South Africa as the rainbow nation, alluding to its diversity and multiculturalism. And the rainbow has been used throughout the centuries, from the Peasants' War in the 16th century as a symbol of peace in Italy, and most notably, the LGBTQ flag. This morning, we hear a story about how God set a bow, a rainbow, in the sky. And how the rain ceased and the water subsided. But while this Sunday has us wondering about rainbows, last week we sat in the destruction of the flood wondering how to reconcile, if at all possible, the complexities of water in our Christian tradition. Jamie reflected on this intended for mature audiences flood story. She raised hard questions about water. How is it both a symbol of creation and life and how water also has the power to destroy? How God sent rains for 40 days and the earth swelled with water for over five months. 
But as of this morning, the rains have stopped. The water is beginning to subside. And I don't know about you, but when I reread this story, I realized, oh, the rains have stopped, but they are still on the boat. They are waiting for more ground to emerge. And they wait seven days. And while they are waiting, Noah sends out birds to see if there was dry land and vegetation. And then seven more days. And they are just waiting on what I imagine is a smelly, stinky boat that they have already been on for quite some time. It reminds me of being stuck on an airplane. And specifically at the end, when you've been in the air for a really long flight and the plane lands but then gets stuck taxiing to the terminal, and you're anxious, and some people are so anxious that they're starting to take off their seatbelts and start to stand up, and they're getting their luggage out. But you can't go anywhere until they open the door. But I've never been stuck on a plane for seven days, or even seven times seven days. And they are on the boat for a long time, and it took months for the water to go down. And they waited months before God instructed Moses to go out of the ark. But we can all know what it is like to wait. We've all waited for school to get out, for traffic to start rolling again. We've all been there to wait to hear back from the doctors, or perhaps waiting for a baby to arrive. And it's frustrating to wait, especially if waiting is out of your control and there's nothing you can do. Because you're ready to get on with it. You're ready to get started and to get moving. Then God says move. And finally, a new beginning. Go out of the ark. The time comes to stretch your legs and discover a new space. It's a new beginning. In this incredible gift of recreation, I am left wondering what was going through the minds of those on the ark in this act of recreation. As God told them to be fruitful and multiply, as they were reminded that they are made in God's image, I wonder if they were comparing this new place to what was before. Or did they see this as the continuation of their story? Are they angry with God at the devastation? Or hopeful 
for what the future might be? Are they worried it will happen again? Or is it like an old friend and they just pick right up where they left off? Is it like any committed relationship where there is brokenness, but you choose to move forward? Just like the flood, when we held the complexities of where God is in the water, we hold in tension the myriad of questions and complex feelings. And as humans, we are capable of holding it all. When someone passes away, we can be grateful that the person is no longer in pain and yet also devastated that they are no longer with us. If we are going through a divorce, we can mourn the deep loss of the relationship and also be hopeful for a new future. In the face of a new beginning, we hold fast of God's desire to restore. And God is determined to restore creation. And it doesn't mean that everything is going to be perfect because it won't be. But there is beauty in the desire to move forward and the recreation of who God wants to be and what God wants from us. And with this desire to move forward, with all the complex feelings and thoughts and even injury, God establishes a covenant, a promise between God and creation. When I think about covenants, I think about weddings and marriages. It is wedding season, after all. As a matter of fact, I just officiated a wedding yesterday. Two people choosing to covenant with one another, seeking an ever richer relationship. Marriage vows and covenants are pretty lofty. To make promises to one another, knowing you will change over the years, but not knowing how. It's like choosing to go through one of those haunted house corn mazes in the dark. I often share Episcopal theologian Carter Hayward's words at ceremonies. Love is a choice, not necessarily a rational choice, but a decision to be present to another without pretense or guile. Vows are easy. Living them out is difficult. To covenant to keep going in the face of hurt and frustration and brokenness when you would rather walk away? A covenant is more than a promise. A covenant is embodied intentionality. When brokenness is bravely acknowledged, 
Responsibility is courageously received, and there is deliberate and mindful movement forward toward reconciliation. And God chooses to establish a covenant with Noah and his descendants. That never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And this doesn't mean that all the problems are going to be solved. God knows that we're going to mess up. But God also trusts that there is another way to get through to us. And that is truly remarkable because if I were God and faced with this broken world, I would most certainly eradicate it. But that is not how God chooses to deal with it. God extends forgiveness. And God binds God's self to the people. And God binds God's self to us. And God sets a rainbow in the sky as a sign of this covenant. God sets a rainbow in the, in the sky to remind God's self that whatever happens, God seeks our restoration and that Complete destruction is off the table. I like that God needs reminders. I'm glad that I am not the only one that has to tie a string around my finger or leave copious sticky notes for myself. But there is also comfort in seeing God's reminder. Many in the world are impacted by floods and hurricanes and wildfires, but also those who have been uprooted by the floods of bank foreclosures or lost employment. Many in here know what it is like to be underwater, overwhelmed by the waves of ill health or quite literally overcome by water, like in Hanover Hall. Or if we are in a season where we are focused on our weaknesses instead of our strengths, there is comfort in seeing God's reminder. A reminder for us that we are made in God's image, that we are good and that we are deeply loved. A reminder that we are not alone in this big, bold, bustling, beautiful world. A reminder that, like the rainbow, that visually looks like it is encompassing the entire earth. This covenant is radically inclusive of all. A reminder that, like the rainbow, which has more colors than our eyes can interpret, there are opportunities for new creation, even if we are not capable of seeing it yet. A reminder that we have the opportunity to keep moving forward and recreate with God. 
So let us not forget, we are a people of faith. Let us point to the rainbow and to the cross and remember that God has not forgotten us. God has promised that God will not forsake us when the flood waters of sorrow or suffering threaten. We can hold on to that promise. And let us never forget what the cross and the rainbow remind us. That God has made a covenant with us. And that covenant will not fail. Let it be so.